This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is ACC Nation with Will Ogeman and Jim Quist. Featuring ACC sports news and interviews. Available on streaming radio, podcast, and YouTube. Welcome to ACC Nation. That's Will Ogenen. I'm Jim Quist. We're talking basketball. Men's, women's, it's NCAA tournament time. It's also time for the WNIT, the NIT. And we're going to go back and look at the ACC tournament, the coaching changes, and what may be coming, plus the championship game between Duke and Virginia. There's a lot to talk about here, so let's get started, Will, and uh, go back. We've got some changes in the coaching uh, layout, and some really not expected, but it's not all that surprising uh, with others. The first one that uh, occurred was last Wednesday, uh, Jim Beheim, poof, gone um and we're we're still not a hundred percent sure there's a lot of conversation about whether he forced the hands whether he was you know getting ready to really retire or whether he's fired whether he's pushed out it's all i mean i don't think we're ever gonna specifically know for sure even though we've heard all kinds of of wonderful things coming out of the mouths of people at Syracuse, including including Jim Beheim himself. I don't fully believe everything that's being said. No, I don't either. Um, I would venture to say that he pretty much ha- had his hand played for him. Yes. I think he pretty much was going to have to go. Um, I think they... I think they got tired of him sticking his foot in his mouth. It's good at um, that. <laughs> with, uh, you know, the the irony of the team that he alleged bought, which, hey, guess what? It's legal nowadays. He, you know, ended up being his final win. Also, his first win, funny enough. But, you know, it, it's a great career. Uh, you know, we could joke about, you know, the how it ended. But, you know, this, this is a guy who's been, who dedicated the vast majority of his life to that school. And he's done great things for that program. He won a won a national title twenty years ago. Known for his two three zone that we always gave teams fits in the NCAA tournament. There was like a a few years there where you knew that they were going to weasel their way in on the playing game, and it was pretty much a lock for the Sweet Sixteen at least because nobody really knew how to solve it. Mm-hmm. And that was and he you know he was just really good at good at that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, when I say eventually the teams over the last handful of years just started to, you know, you know, not do as well. And, and as I mentioned, he said some things he probably shouldn't have. And I think eventually the, the, uh, the administration decided it was time for a change and, and comes Adrian Autry, you know, a long time, you know, who's been an assistant there for a long time, you know, as a grad, 
uh, I am very curious to see where the future of Syracuse lies with this hire because there's a lot. It's a risky from one from the sense of okay, he doesn't really have much head coaching experience. It's and yeah, he's been on it on his staff for a while, but still, it's always a risky proposition with a first time head coach. Next up, Passner, Georgia Tech. Mm-hmm. Yep, and the the face shield was no more. Um, obviously, that maybe maybe that was what what saved them. What could have saved them was the face shield. Um, yeah, Josh Passner was fired, and surprised the surprised how quickly the process went. I mean, what day was he fired? It was like last Thursday or something like that. Yeah. Uh, Maybe Friday. And here we, yeah, Thursday, Friday. Here we are, Monday evening, and they announced today Damon Sotomayor, uh, you know, longtime NBA player, uh, currently an assistant with the Boston Celtics as their head coach. Uh, Sotomayor was actually an, uh, the head coach at Pacific University for five years, uh, with a career record of seventy-one and seventy-seven. Um, 34 and 47 in the WCC, uh, had a really good year in 20 and then the 2019, 2020 COVID season, he got them to 23 wins and third place in the, in the West coast conference. But I think he, he ended up deciding he wanted to go work in the NBA for a little bit and ended up kind of parlayed himself into a power five level job. Now, Will this work? I think it's way too early to tell. He obviously has some name cachet. Um, you know, if, if you know if your parents like, you know, grew up on the NBA of the '90s, you knew that name from his days, especially in Portland. Um, but you know, like I said, he he had he was a sub 500 coach at Pacific. So how much does that translate? Who knows? Um, he's getting a shot in the ACC. I'm very curious to see where this goes. I, I think it's I think it's a it's an interesting hire, but I I don't know what else you can do if you're that administration because you've both the football and basketball programs are just recycling head coaches. We're well, not recycling, but they're just going through them like they're they're used underwear or something. <laughs> Dose of salts. Um, I think uh, for the most part, based upon what I've seen with both teams, with both Syracuse and Georgia Tech. Um, the decision that was made and, and who was put into place and as quickly as they were put there indicates to me that both schools had had enough time to think about and implement their plan. They didn't have to go through this rigmarole that we always find in the ACC. Um, and and I, don't, don't get me wrong. Sometimes this is a wise a wise direction to go, but it also tells me something about ADs not being prepared for, uh, uh, you know, replacing. You should always have that next man up sort of ideology going on in your head. When it comes to even your coaches, you've got to be thinking this. Obviously, we have two ADs who were on the ball, who were thinking about where are we going next and had a plan and implemented it. And from that standpoint, um, a lot of praise to both of the athletic directors at Syracuse and Georgia Tech grabbing the bull by the horns and doing really well. Georgia Tech, I think, really needs somebody like Jay Bat, who has come in from Alabama, to, to hit that home run for them. And he is, he is really 
making some improvements there in ways that that school has not seen in a long time and they've really needed. So two big moves there. Let's get into the ACC championship game for uh, the guys. It was between Duke and Virginia, and not much on offense, guys. Uh, what can I say? It was uh, a battle of defense, and both coaches, obviously one known for defensive prowess, and that's Tony Bennett. But John Shire also uh, pushing the defense uh to, to improve for Duke, and it's making a heck of a difference because this the Duke Blue Devils started off um, rough this year, and they've kind of gone the same path as um, as North Carolina did last year. You know, they didn't improve and didn't really come to into their own until late in the season, and I think that's what Duke is doing right now. This was a fascinating game for me. I, I, um, it was frustrating if you're an offensive sort of person who loves to see lots of points. This is why the NBA guys are, are they, they can't watch Virginia and they always complain about it. It's because it's there's actually defense for once. Um, in this particular instance, it was very frustrating from the offensive side because there just weren't any points being scored in the, that first half was a good indication of just how tight these two teams were playing. Yeah, as you mentioned, the halftime score was 24-17, and I would expect that to be the halftime score of Duke Virginia football, um, not basketball. Yeah. Really, the story of the game was Kyle Filipowski and Jeremy Rowe scored 43 of Duke's 59 points. And remember, Filipowski didn't even score when they met in Charlottesville you know, at the uh, earlier in the season. And he kind of must have really, that uh, really must have set him off because he had a big game in this one with 20 and 10 mm-hmm. and three steals. Jeremy Roach, 23 mm-hmm. points. It was really, it was a two man show because those, those two hit 15 of the 19 shots for Duke. So let's put it this way they were Filipowski uh, and Roach were 15 of 29 shooting. Rest of Duke, four of 16. Now, that's the kind of thing right there that's going to kill them. Uh, if they don't make some adjustments going into the NCAA tournament. Uh, uh, on the other side of the coin, too, Virginia's turnovers were just inexcusable. Um, it was almost watching some slow-motion basketball on the offensive side for Virginia, and those turnovers were, were all part of the fact that Virginia slows things down on offense to grind the clock out and to to basically slow the pace down well unfortunately sometimes that bleeds over into the mindset of the virginia players and they and you can almost see them not playing a fast game they i don't think they played as fast in that game as they did in the previous which i thought was a stellar performance on their part but in this game against duke uh, Duke had Duke had their number. Yeah, um, Virginia turned it over uh, twelve. Yeah, twelve times 12 in times, this game. Yeah. Beekman and Beekman, Franklin, and Clark had ten of them. Um, the guard they they, well, Kia Clark just had a rough game in general. He was one and nine from the field, um, six anything. points, three fouls, three turnovers. 
you usually he is a lot better with the ball and he's usually a better shooter but he he struggled in this game on both ends of the court obviously Beekman I mentioned four turnovers he was he was good offensively he was five of 11 shooting um, but Virginia for the game was 33 percent from the field and 417 from three that's the kind of thing that makes you worry, you know, heading into these little tournament. Yeah, they had a gr- great couple of games against North Carolina and Clemson in the quarters and semis. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Clem- that game against Clemson, they have one of their be- best scoring outputs of the season in terms of, of points for possession, and this was one of their worst ones. Now, I think some of that is a little bit due to Duke's defense. Obviously, they have they have some really good, you know, they're they're tall, they're lengthy, they they have some good players in the middle. And, you know, to some extent that'll, that'll carry them far, but you also wonder, you know, a team with a little more talent, especially in the middle, like they can easily handle a guy like Filipowski. Obviously he's super talented kid, but you know, they're, you know, their Duke has also been playing like one of the hottest teams in the country. I think they've won something like eight straight going into the tournament. But I also realized that if Norchet O'Meara wouldn't have gotten injured against in the semifinal game that Miami probably wins that game, but those are the breaks. Yep. Uh, you know, Duke won, you know, Duke won, they deserved it. They was, they were the better team and there's no, no way to put it. No one, way to put it. One thing I will say about Filipowski and you're, you're right. Going into the NCAA tournament, he's going to run into some people who are, are like, uh, let's go to a former Virginia player, Jack Salt. Um, mm-hmm. who is beef, you know, and he's, he's a sort of person that is going to push you around because he's bigger, has more weight and is more physical. Filipowski is not quite at that point yet. He's, he's got time to beef up. It's not happening this year, but he's going to run into that kind of player. So, uh, they've got to, they've oh, got to find something. They're going to run into that in the next game and we can go yeah. into that in a little bit. Yeah, we, that we will. We're going to take a look at the, uh, the tournaments. We've got, uh, not only the men's bracket coming up, the women's bracket, the, uh, NIT, but we're going to start out by looking at the WNIT first and see what teams out of the ACC are there and what we kind of anticipate they may be doing. Let's um, not ever overlook action in the NIT or the WNIT because this is important in the development of teams. And there's a lot of bragging rights that go with this as well. I think it's more than fair to say that um, I know that, you know, when I was younger, that uh, NIT action was something to look forward to. Uh, if you didn't make it into the uh, NCAAs, if you made it into the NIT and you went all the way or you did very well, it was a great way to look at your team for the future and sort of uh, build on it from there. So the teams out of the ACC that are in the WNIT include Syracuse. We've got Wake Forest and Clemson as well. So three teams on the women's side, and I think these teams do stand a fairly decent chance of uh, making a good run in the WNIT. So we'll uh, uh, let's um, just briefly kind of look over the uh, WNIT bracket and uh, give me some of your thoughts on some of the teams that maybe we should be watching out for here. 
So yeah, three teams from the ACC are in the WNIT: Wake Forest, Syracuse, Clemson. Uh, very curious to see where how they all play out. I know looking at Wake's roster, they they have a bunch of seniors, five seniors on this roster. You know, team that's you know been growing. You remember they they recently made the tournament. Um, you know, obviously didn't quite achieve the same level of success this year. Same with Syracuse, a team with five seniors on their roster. A lot of play in going out for the final time. I'm curious to see what this, what Clemson does though, because this is a team. Yeah, they have four seniors, but they have a lot of underclassmen, their fri- freshmen, a lot of sophomores on this roster. Mm-hmm. This is a team that I think you know could absolutely use this experience, and you know it'll only help them going forward with, with the extra you know practices and the game and game time. Um, they're they're opening up against High Point. Should they beat that, they would win that. They would meet the winner of Auburn versus Tulane uh, next week. Um, Wake takes on Morgan State, which I think they should win that game. And so, Syracuse will play Kent State. You know, that's another team that, you know, I think I, I feel like all three of those teams could uh, win those games. And one thing for those of you who aren't familiar with this, the WNIT is actually 64 teams, just like or almost like the NCAA tournament. They are now up to 68 teams, but the WNIT is 64 teams. So they really cram a lot of teams into that NIT bracket. And hey, nothing wrong with more experience. That's right. I know um, I should add too, Virginia was invited to the WNIT, but they declined because by the end of the season, they were just a walking mash unit. Yeah, very, very much so. And with all the injuries, the key injuries there, it yeah. wouldn't have, I, I don't think it would have benefited them that much to have, gone into postseason play. One thing I want to point out here is that the Syracuse uh, Kent State game is on the 15th at 7 o'clock Eastern. It's in Syracuse. The uh, Wake Forest game against Morgan State, that's on the 16th at 6 Eastern, Winston-Salem. And Clemson will be playing at home against High Point on the 16th at 7 Eastern, and uh, so there's some benefit to that first round action for those three teams. That second round may be a little bit tougher based upon what I'm looking at here, but we'll figure that out as we get uh, get into the uh, the play. But uh, keep an eye on WNIT action because I think there's a lot of fun to be had in in this particular tournament. And as you mentioned, it's expanded. This is going to be a wild uh, tournament altogether. So let's take a look at the uh, NIT. And uh, one of the things that um, stands out in this list of, of teams is a team that's not there, and that is North Carolina. North Carolina said, no, thanks. We're not going to play NIT. You got any thoughts on that? I think it's really, it really is a indictment on the team like itself. Mm-hmm. I just, I think it's pretty clear that a statement like this says they just, they just didn't play well together, which I think we all knew and yeah. they were just ready to be, be done and over with. And I, and I generally against that, uh, that concept. Um, I feel like anytime you can get, Especially your younger players who who played, you know, who played sparingly, but there are guys like Seth Trimble who could have used some extra game time, 
uh, you know, do, to develop or, well, I would have said Tyler Nickel, but he has, as of today, entered the transfer portal. So we'll see where he ends up. And to be honest with you, he ain't going to be the last one to leave that, that school. I, I think there's going to be a, a massive turnover of that roster coming into the 23-24 season. This feels like a house of cards there. And I, I'm, I'm, in some ways, I'm surprised. In other ways, I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these players are carryovers uh, for Hubert. And, you know, mm-hmm. Hubert has a, a certain type of player that he wants to deal with. And mm-hmm. uh, I you talk about these players not gelling with each other. I don't know that they gelled with Hubert. So, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. And here's the thing of it is they only got a couple of commits coming in next year. So if he wants to do a, a roster role, he's going to have to hit the whole portal pretty hard. Yeah, I can, I can see that happening. Well, that, that is going to be a story over the summer. Um, mm-hmm. just, just exactly what happens now. Um, we're not totally without controversy with ACC teams here. Uh, you know, we got North Carolina and that thing going on there. But we got Clemson in the NIT. And, man, our fans and other people uh, making a lot of noise about they should have been in the NCAA. Um. Let me just say something here for a second. Uh, you, you're you're where you're supposed to be, and I, you know, you can be mad at me all you want, but the thing is, is that that schedule, the strength of schedule, uh, your performance throughout the year, that's the sort of thing that will absolutely diminish you in the eyes of the selection committee and um, they don't make choices just haphazardly. They didn't, they didn't blow you guys off without good reason. I mean, they made very tough decisions and I I think it, I think it was probably a lot easier for them to make that decision not to include you uh, to be, to be frank about it. And um, I mean, you can, uh, you know, whine about it all you want, um, it's not going to change anything. Make the most out of the NIT. Hey, win the NIT and then say, hey, see, you should have put us in because this is what we are. But now what you've done is you put yourself in a situation that if you don't win the NIT, people are going to go, yeah, well, <laughs> they were right, weren't they? <laughs> damned if you do and damned if you don't. So. I tweeted, I uh, sent out a tweet on Sunday night after the bracket selection show. And what I said was there were four teams in the top 60 of the net that had at least four losses outside of the first two quadrants. One of them was Iona, but they got the auto bid. So that doesn't fit the narrative here, but right. because they got the auto <clears throat> bid. The other three, Rutgers, who was left out, New Mexico, who was left out, and Clemson, who was also left out. You don't don't lose to the worst Louisville team ever. Don't lose to Loyola, who who was have one of its worst seasons in a long time. Don't lose to the worst South Carolina team in a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't don't and schedule better. Yeah, and I. And you, yeah, yeah, you beat Penn State. Great, that's a great win for you. 
I, I, I did quick research on this last uh, last night as well. Yeah, the Penn State win's a great win from their non-conference. Their next best win in terms of net ranking was Towson at, I think it was like 129. You're not delivering yeah, Sometimes scheduling at non-conference can be dicey because you don't know when these, you know, smaller schools are going to be good or not, but you got to find a way to game the system, at least make some effort. Right. And you were right, Jim. You, they, they didn't schedule up and it bit him. And I'm in, it's not like, you know, he's had, you know, he had the opportunity. I'm sure you look at, you know, they struggled, like I say, they lost by two to South Carolina. Um, he lost by 18 to Loyola. Obviously lost at Boston college, which is not a good win. And just look at the, their non-conference on Ken Palm is ranked 315. And, you know, it was, you know, he, they just tend to do this. They don't schedule up. Well, they didn't yeah. schedule up and it really bit them. And I think that's part of the the deal. You got to learn to be better um, when, when scheduling. I know the ACC is tough, but you can't just rely on the conference all the time because you end up with four and 20, whatever Louisville um, four and 20. I don't remember what their, their final record yeah. was, but four and a lot. And, and it's, yeah, they had nobody to blame but themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, this, this is a reflection of why, uh, and this, this word and, uh, you know, everybody um, takes pot shots at John Swafford for a variety of reasons. And sometimes they're valid. Um, you know, we're none of us are perfect. So you can take pot shots all you want. Um, but, you know, they, when they started moving away from scheduling and really forcing schools in the ACC to stop scheduling cupcake teams for football, if you, if you want to get the respect that you feel like you deserve in football, you need to stop, you know, putting these cupcakes on your schedule. The same is true for basketball. There, there, you can have a few but man, you you cannot afford uh, if if you really want to take a, a solid run for something, you can't afford to to play teams that, as you point out, are way down the list. Yeah, so. you can't just continue to schedule um, MEAC and SWAC schools and think it's going to be okay. Yeah, it's great wins, but. Mm-hmm. And you know the the ACC Big Ten Challenge is no more. I think I think they're going to do the the SEC one SEC, coming up. But right. you know, again, you got to you got to you got to at least try a little harder. All right, we'll move on from uh, Clemson. There, Clemson is going to take on Moorhead State. That should be a win for for Clemson, and moving yeah. uh, into a position to either take on UAB or Southern Miss in that second round of action. There, they'll face some some competition uh i think they still stand a pretty good chance of moving on from there um we'll see i mean there's some teams in these lists that could prove to be tough um remains to be seen virginia tech is the other team on this list uh virginia tech having an iffy season for a variety of reasons they'll be facing Mm -hmm. off with cincinnati that should be an interesting game, and I, I think that um, I think Virginia Tech stands a good chance if they if they come at it, you know, full on 
they can win that game. Uh, they would go on to meet uh, Rutgers Hofstra winner, and uh, I think that they could also move on past second round into the quarters. Yeah, I'm surprised Wake Forest didn't get in. This was probably like the biggest NIT snub mm-hmm. if we're you know really breaking down NIT. But I'm surprised Wake Forest didn't get in, get any postseason invite. That's a team that probably should have at least made the NIT, in my opinion. I mean, they were they were good enough. But in, and if uh, I think if Debari Monsanto wouldn't have gotten hurt at the end of the season, I think they could have been a team you could have seen as you know potentially making a run in the ACC tournament. But yeah, you know Virginia Tech's in, you know facing the Bear Cincinnati Bear, and they're and they're a good team. I don't I don't know if I pick Virginia Tech to win this game, but you know, like I said, another game for some of these young guys to you know develop. There's some good good kids, um, some younger kids on this roster that I think could you know propel their game uh, in you know next season. Um, it's going to be probably potentially the last game for Justin Muntz, who's been a great big part of this program for the last few years. Um, just, you know, great, you know, good, good on him for getting a chance to close out his career in the postseason. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I picked them to win this game. I'd have to think about it some. Yeah. I'm, I'm, um, I, I think it's close, but I, I just, there's something about Virginia tech. It just tells me that they're going to dig deep here. And I think they're going to give it a real, a real run. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's move on to the uh, NCAA Division One Women's Basketball Championship, the bracket. Uh, the team to beat, obviously, is the top seed, South Carolina, at 32-0. Dawn Staley, what a team. Uh, what a dynasty she has built. And thank, uh, thank I, I, you know, I don't have any problem with Dawn Staley as opposed to uh, the, the UConn system, which Gino. just, uh, he, I didn't even want to mention his name. See, and he had to... <laughs> throw that one out there quite a few teams in the uh women's basketball championship uh including uh, notre dame louisville duke florida state miami uh nc state virginia tech and north carolina hope i didn't miss anybody there it seems like the entire uh, conference is is going <laughs> to be in this and um i would be surprised if at least one of those teams did not make it um pretty close to I can see a semifinal run here for one of those teams. I don't know which one, but you know. Yeah, I am very curious to see. You know how? So we'll start with Notre Dame real quick. I'm very curious to see how they draw because because they they open up a Southern Utah. They should win that game. We we'll get we'll get a second round matchup against Creighton and whoever wins it at the opening round game, which I believe is Illinois Mississippi State. Yep. And then they could meet Maryland in the Sweet 16 if they were to get to get there. Um, Maryland's be nice. been a really good program um, over even dating back to their in the times in the ACC. But as you mentioned, they they all they're also in the same uh, bracket as the overall number one seed, who was undefeated, and Don Staley, South Carolina Gamecocks, and that is just it's going to be a real hard to real hard game to get past them. Uh, Louisville's the five taking on Drake. Um, it should, you know, Louisville had a little bit of a step back this season, but solid seed, a five seed should be, you know, should be favored against Drake and then open up a, or get a second round game with Texas, which should be an interesting game. Duke as the three uh, opening up with Iona, you know, eventually they, there's a, you know, if they can, 
if everything stays chalk, they could meet uh, meet Iowa in the Sweet 16, which should be fun because Iowa has that one girl who who is just a flamethrower. She is such a good player. I, I she's a lot of fun to watch. And then Florida State as a seven, like opening up against Georgia. Um, just uh, you know, another solid season for the Knowles. They got they got in again. Um, you see, it just goes to show the depth of the of the ACC this year. Um, who else? We have Miami in the eight nine game against Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. Um, NC State as a seven against Princeton. Obviously, State took a step back this year, but again, made the tournament. Yeah, cool, good on them. Virginia Tech, obviously the number one seed. You know, won the won the women's tournament. Uh, pretty convincing way through. Uh, I think they're the they're they're the third uh, uh, number one seed opening up against Chattanooga, and this is you know what what Kenny Brooks has done over there is just flat out amazing. Getting this program up to the levels it has, and you know, be hard pressed to pick against them to get make a deep run. Um, and then obviously North Carolina is a six getting it taking on one of the uh, playing winners, which I believe is Purdue or St. John. So right. yeah, this is a, it was a really deep league and you saw it by how many teams got in here and the WNIT that they, they showed out. And Almost the I think entire gonna, conference. I, I think you're going to be right in the end. Somebody's going to, I think somebody's going to make a final four out of the ACC. Yeah. Looks, looks good. It's exciting basketball. And uh, as you and I were talking before we went on the air that, uh, you know, you're taking off, uh, as you usually do, taking off time to sit in front of a TV. Well, not all the time, but a good portion of the time you'll be sitting in front of a TV watching. If I didn't have a dog, I would be. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And he's got to he's got to go he's got to go to the bathroom. Got to go, got to go, got to go right now. All right, got to go, go right now. <laughs> All right, Division One men's basketball championship action. We've got a couple of teams out of the ACC heading to uh, postseason action. We'll see whether or not anybody has the wherewithal to make it um, into <clears throat> second and third round action, and then past that. Um, well, we'll go ahead and start with uh, the um, the South because the South is is really going to be it's going to be a tough tough place to to make it to the semifinals. Yeah, no kidding. Both for, especially for both ACC teams, you got Virginia's the number four seed. Take it on Furman. That's been one of the more popular upset picks among people. Um, just because it's Virginia and mm. they obviously struggled sure. a little bit at the end of the season, but played a lot better in the ACC tournament. Um, I'm not, I, you know, I think they can actually, I mean, obviously I think they can win, but even still, if they were to win that game, you've got, you would face either San Diego state. Who's like a top 10 defense or Charleston. Who's who, you know, they won 30 games this year. So <laughs> they obviously did something right. If they won 30 games, and then NC State got in as an 11 seed, avoided the playing game. They're taking on Creighton, and that feels like a point. Uh, that game will have a lot of points in it. I mean, I, I would not be surprised if the winner got close to 90 in that game. I can see that. Those two teams are are volatile, mm-hmm. but they can score. <laughs> yes, especially if uh, Terquavion is on. <laughs> Yeah, if he's if he's on, that's going to be 
just flamethrowing. Mm-hmm. It's like NBA it. Jam, basically. Yep. Um, the the next is the East, and Purdue is the number one seed there. Uh, Duke is um, in that particular bracket, portion of the bracket, and uh, maybe stand a better chance there um, than in most, but there there's a lot of competition in there. There's Marquette, Michigan State, Kentucky, um, and as mentioned, Purdue. It's not going to be an easy walk here either. Yeah, even that first game, Oral Roberts has been one of the hottest teams. In the, I think they are the hottest team in the country. Um, you know, you, everyone remembers Max A. Smith from the tournament a couple of years ago when they made the Sweet 16. He He's just a volume sco- score. He just knows how to score with the best of them. And we mentioned this earlier, talking about, you know, size and whatnot. One of one of their second, probably our second best player, Cotter Vanover, seven foot five, and can actually shoot the three. He, he's like, I think he shoots right around thirty five percent from three. So you, so I'm curious. That's what actually intrigues me the most about this game because I think I think Max Ace was going to get his no matter what. But this Vanover kid against against Duke's interior, if he can draw them out and. And you know, hit a couple threes and then clear a lane for Ace Miss to get to the lane. I think that that game could be a lot, a lot uh, more interesting than than we lead to, are led to believe. Mm. I don't care that Duke has won eight in a row. There are teams who have gotten in the march on just on fire, and then boom, yep, it gets extinguished in the it, first game. No time at all. And here's the thing: is that there's such a nice mix. Of, of strategy here. When you look at all these teams and what they're capable of and their, their physicality, uh, I, I go down the line and I'm just like, wow, there is so much talent this season. Um, there are a couple of teams that I scratch my head over why they're even in here, but uh, for the most part, um, this is this is just going to be a, a, a wild a really wild NCAA tournament. I, I yeah. think it. So our, our next um, team from the ACC is Miami. And Miami is in the um, Midwest where Houston is. Man, Houston is the number one seed. And again, this is there's nothing easy about this. I mean, you know. Out of all of them, I would say this might be the more likely place to move forward um, because there are some teams in here that, quite frankly, I have I have some questions over. But uh, it's, you know, throw those out for a second. You're still having to deal with these killers. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, it's like walking down a dark alley at night, man. You're going to get mugged. Yeah, Drake is not going to be an easy out. Um, they're, they're automatic qualifier from the from the Missouri Valley, a really, really good team. Um, obviously, I talked about the injury issues earlier with Miami, and we don't know if Omir's going to play in this game. There hasn't been a any sort of announcement on that yet we'll see. Um, I th- I would, I definitely would like their chances more if in that, in that game, if he plays and if they do win uh, Indiana or, or Kent state for that matter, Kent state was a team that 
played Houston real tight. I think they played Gonzaga real tight too, if I'm not mistaken. They played somebody else real tight. And obviously Indiana's a good team. I, I they will yeah, it's gonna be a tough draw for for Miami. And even if they get to the uh sweet sixteen, they're gonna have to take on Houston. And you know, they're not gonna be obviously they're they were one of the best teams in the country. They're they were the number two overall seed. So yeah, I I I think Miami can definitely win a game or two, but I'm I'm not I don't think they're gonna repeat last year's uh Elite Eight run. Kansas is the number one seed in the West. No ACC teams there. That's also uh, Murderer's Row. This action is getting underway in just a day or so. And uh, so, man, lots of great basketball here at the end of the season. Stuff that we've been waiting since November for. Yeah. Yeah. And we should add two pit in the playing game on uh, that'll be on Tuesday night against Mississippi state. Um, and obviously oh, yeah. they can Sorry win that. that. They'll face Iowa state who remember we talked about with Jason Carmelo, a big under talk They were a team that limped to the finish line would not surprise me if, if they can get past Mississippi state, that they could win that game. A pit and in Iowa state. That would be an interesting matchup. Iowa state is, is pretty tough. Um, They're a good team, but like I said, they've, We'll see. They've been a little down lately. Um, the advantage for Pitt is that they're going to be playing in Greensboro. AC's head. They were just there. <laughs> exactly. So it didn't necessarily end the greatest. Well, either. no, <laughs> didn't, didn't end great. But, you know, there's a familiarity aspect there that I think is a, is a plus. And I, I almost missed that. That's because the, the print was so small there. I couldn't see it. Um, that's a look at all of the um, – the basketball action from last week, the coaches uh, that have changed the things that are going on. We've got stories up on accnation.net. Check that out. And also, um, you know, we will have the brackets up for you to, to look at, to download. Um, and uh, there's a lot more. We've got the latest top 25 baseball action and uh, a lot more to come because there's a lot of spring sports going on, and we'll share that with you at accnation.net. I want to remind you that if you are watching us on YouTube, please subscribe, leave a comment. We love to hear what you're thinking, and share that with all the other people who are subscribed. Uh, let other people know that we're here and uh, subscribe to us. If you would like, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can find a quick link and choose which way you'd like to subscribe at our um, website, accnation.net. And while you're there, if you like to listen to radio, we have a lot of our podcast and other special features, which are not heard anywhere else on ACC Nation Radio. There's a link specifically at accnation.net. And until next time. Cheers. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, 
but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.